0: The InfoTrack. Once again, here's Chris Whitting.
1: What would you do if confronted by a sudden medical emergency? What steps could you take to help save a life till medical personnel arrive? You could probably do much more than you think. With this story, here's InfoTrack's Roy Mackey. Roy? Thanks, Chris. We're talking with Dr. James Hubbard. He's an MD who is an expert in first aid and survival medicine and the author of the book, Living Ready Pocket Manual, First Aid. First, Dr. Hubbard, I think most people think, hey, it's a very rare thing to face a medical emergency or a survival situation. And even if I do, I can just call 911. Is that true or false?
0: That's definitely false. I mean, if you just look at the news every year people have disasters a lot of them come out of the blue so you know you need to be ready just in case because it could happen to anybody then there is the first few minutes before 911 doesn't get there sometimes that can be life saving and of course there's always a situation where the streets may be closed or some sort of other problem where 911 doesn't get there right when you want them to either that or you're out on a hike or camping any of that could be a possibility
1: is there one specific medical Skill or a bit of knowledge that you think can save a life most commonly that maybe people don't know?
0: One of the most common things is people who are bleeding. So many people just panic when that happens because, again, it comes out of the blue. And just stop the bleeding by putting pressure on it. That's all you have to do. I mean, you don't have to worry about sterility right away, infection, that sort of thing. You know, if you have some sort of cover or something for yourself to protect yourself, like some plastic, then put that on, but otherwise stop the bleeding that way. A second way is if you see someone and the bleeding doesn't stop a tourniquet, it's easy to use. Yes, it has its problems if you use it for a long period of time, but it certainly can save a life. One of the main things that I would suggest is that people just help. So many people back off and say, well, somebody else is going to help out in this situation. Now, Or they wait on 911. If you just do it, just try to help. Usually you're going to help the situation sometimes a lot more than you think.
1: Sometimes people, I think, in this litigious day and age are afraid to step in and help because, hey, maybe I do the wrong thing and I could be sued.
0: Yeah. Now, I'm no legal expert on that, but I think most places there's a law that says that if you help someone, you know, you're trying to help and there's no other help available or things, then you do the best you can and that's enough.
1: Are there some basic medical supplies that you recommend that every home should just have on hand routinely?
0: Yeah, there are, and it doesn't have to be that many. First off, if you have any specific medical problems, keep a little extra medicine handy. Fill your refill before it completely runs out. Have a little bit on store. Also, you need to have a way to have clean water, and there are several ways you can do that, including boiling and other ways. Clean water is always a big thing. As far as pure medical supplies, just some bandages and just your typical type of stuff like Band-Aids and Betadine, which is a... Iodine solution is a good thing to have on hand. It also, if you're not allergic to iodine, is a good way to disinfect water and have a first aid book. The thing that I say, though, is memorize some of those initial steps, like the stop the bleeding and things, and then have the first aid book for additional reference after that immediate type of emergency situation is under control.
1: I think the scenario that people think of first when they think of medical emergencies is coming upon someone who has simply collapsed, they're unconscious. What steps should you take in that scenario?
0: Everyone should try to take a hands-on course of CPR. It's so easy these days, and it helps you so much. If you come upon someone like that, you should... First off, see if there's any sign of life at all by shaking the person, yelling, maybe pinching a little bit, and see if there's any sign of life. If there is, then you can assume there is a pulse and the person's heart is beating. If there's no sign of life, then you can assume that there's not a pulse, and these days, regular people that do CPR, chest compressions is the big thing. You don't worry about the airway that much, you do chest compressions. You get in the middle of the chest, you do it about 100 beats per minute, which is about the same beat as a song, Staying Alive. Anyway, you do that, someone's called 911, hopefully, and you start the chest compressions. If they are conscious are having signs of life you do need to make sure that the airway is okay and you just pretty well support them and if you don't know exactly what to do then call 911 and just wait and watch and make sure that the person doesn't harm themselves even if the person is having a seizure there's not a whole lot you can do during that time you're just gonna if anything usually cause problems to get worse so you just make sure the person doesn't hurt themselves one other thing in the urban areas, AED machines, automatic external defibrillators, they're fantastic for people who have collapsed and don't have a heart rate. They're the things that the paramedic is going to use, but you're going to be able to use it sooner if one's available. So you call 911, you look for an AED or have someone who look for it, you give it a good 30 seconds to do that or so. Of course, if someone else is available, they can look and you can do the chest compressions. AED machines are so easy, all you have to do is open it, turn on a little button, push it, and the thing will give you information by audio of what to do from there. Of course, if somebody collapses and they don't have a heart rate or anything like that, and you don't do anything, then their chances of making it are pretty nil. If you do CPR, chest compressions, and you have someone come on the scene within a few minutes, you might get one or two out of ten that are going to make it. If you have an AED machine and you start that right away, it'll show you the procedures and the computer will look at the heart and see what to do and give it a proper type of shock. You can save about half of the people that way. Half of the people will at least be revived by an AED machine, so it's a fantastic tool.
1: Wow, that's impressive. A lot of people have taken CPR courses my wife and I took a CPR course when we were expecting our first child, but that's been a while ago. How often should someone take a refresher on that?
0: I, as a doctor, I take it every two years. Certainly, you should consider doing it every two or three or or four years. Things change. Back then, it may have been that for adults, you were supposed to use the breathing, and that's still okay, but they have now changed to a little faster compressions and only do the compressions on somebody that's not used to opening airways. That is the most important thing is getting chest compressions done right. In children, it's a little different because children, a lot of times, airway problems are the reason they collapse. You do still do the breathing, but not in adults unless you're an expert.
1: One of the more common things that people encounter today are allergic reactions, anaphylaxic shock. Can you talk about that a little bit? How do you recognize that and what do you do?
0: If someone collapses, but they're showing some signs of life, or if they have all of a sudden have a really, really bad breathing, wheezing type problem, then they definitely could have an allergic reaction. Usually it's when they're eating something, uh, assuming that they're not choking, that could happen, and of course bee stings are taking medications is common. I would suggest that you ask your doctor if you can get an EpiPen, which is the thing, again, that's the doctors would use initially as a prescription, but it's an epinephrine dose. And if you just read it beforehand how to use it, all you have to do is just pop it on the skin, just put a little pressure on it and it'll self-inject. And that's a major way to save lives because by the time 911 gets there, it might be tending toward too late and the sooner you can get to that epinephrine, the better.
1: Any other final words of advice that maybe someone just could use in a pinch that the average person does not know?
0: Learn some basics and memorize them. Don't expect that you learn one thing and that's going to be what happens. You have to be ready for a lot of things. Learn the basics about wounds and burns and if someone collapses. As far as going back to supplies, I do have a list of supplies, medical supplies that you can keep around your house. That's on my website.
1: And give us your website address.
0: TheSurvivalDoctor.com. That's T-H-E-Survival, S-U-R-V-I-V-A-L, Dr. D-O-C-T-O-R.com.
1: Dr. James Hubbard, M.D., the author of the book Living Ready Pocket Manual First Aid. Thank you very much for joining us on InfoTrack.
0: Thank you for having me. And for
1: InfoTrack, I'm Roy Mackey.
0: You're listening to InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know.